has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Dance is one of the earliest forms of artistic expression. Dancers use their bodies to communicate feelings and ideas. Professional ballet dancers are elite athletes who train their bodies for high-performance aerobic endurance, muscular strength, flexibility, and good joint stability. There are risks, though. In fact, ballet dancers are at significant risk of musculoskeletal injury from the demands of training and performance. They often overload joints, the ligaments surrounding joints, and muscles. According to recent reviews, 95% of dancers in any form of artistic dance suffer from musculoskeletal pain. Mary Helen Bowers is an acclaimed ballerina who danced with the New York City Ballet for 10 years. She's trained Victoria's Secret supermodels, Liv Tyler, and trained Natalie Portman for her Academy Award-winning role in Black Swan. Mary Helen transformed her own fitness and workout program as a professional ballerina to an innovative exercise and wellness program. It's called Ballet Beautiful. We'll get into the details of her program, how it can help ease musculoskeletal pain, and how she made Natalie Portman look like a professional ballerina. And then Dr. Peter Levine joins us once again. He's an orthopedic surgeon specializing in sports and performing arts medicine. Dr. Levine is the vice president and president-elect of the International Association for Dance Medicine and Science. He'll provide expert guidance on preventing and treating both pain and injury in ballet dancers. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva Pharmaceuticals, The Pain Community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. After dancing for a decade with the New York City Ballet and on stages around the world, Mary Helen Bowers developed a unique fitness program called Ballet Beautiful. Mary Helen, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me. Last time, we talked about the extreme physical demands of ballet dancing, the types of injuries ballet dancers typically experience, and some of the steps that can be taken to reduce pain and injury. Now let's talk about Ballet Beautiful. Ballet Beautiful is, based on my experiences, a professional ballerina, what I learned about taking care of my body. And, and you know, the, the origins of Ballet Beautiful were really um, came from, from having an early injury mm-hmm. as a dancer with New York City Ballet and not being on stage and realizing that, wow, without my body, my, you know, like this, this just doesn't work. And what can I do to be stronger and to take better care of myself? And how do I prevent this from happening? Um, and so in that process, you know, creating a workout that I used initially backstage, mm-hmm. taking this world of professional ballet and, and reinventing it um, 
from the perspective of a non-dancer. So creating a workout to give anybody access to a dancer's training and physique. Okay. Mary Helen, how do you actually incorporate ballet into the workouts? We're incorporating ballet by the way that we move the body and also by the muscles that I'm targeting. So I'm using muscles that are important to a dancer in your everyday training, like through the inner thighs. And and that's how we're shaping a dancer's body Mm -hmm. without actually doing ballet, focusing on, on strengthening through the inside of the legs, through the back of the thighs, building beautiful posture, strength, and tone through the upper body, deep through the core, through the butt. So, there really is a difference between yours and other workout programs. Um, Dance is about stretching and elongating the line. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm taking that aspect of elongation and applying that to fitness. You know, if you're doing a regular jumping jack, for example, you turn the toes out and you're incorporating what would be in ballet considered a grand plie, a big plie with that toes open in second position where you're engaging the muscles through your inner thighs, through your butt and your core rather than your quadriceps. Small tweaks like that can take a fitness movement and give it a ballet spin and give you this very different result when it comes to how you shape the body. Right. I mean, it does seem very different. Now, is it more about toning and lean muscle development? Yes. Building muscles in the right places. Building this very ballet-specific body. It's not about putting on a large amount of bulk. It's just a very different approach to how you think about shaping the body, Mm -hmm. doing it through this ballet-specific lens, thinking about, you know, the muscles that you're building are very long and very lean, which is true for dancers. So we're incorporating those sort of ballet principles to a fitness program. And what's the cardiovascular component like? So it's very dance-inspired. So you would be starting with plies. You could move into lunges. Anything where you're really moving the arms and legs together in the center of the room, Mm -hmm. it's going to get your heart rate up. So you don't have to be on a cardio machine at the gym. You don't have to have that pounding, super high-impact cardio experience that I think a lot of people condition themselves to Mm -hmm. or come to expect. There's a lot of different ways to get your cardio in that can be a little bit more gentle on the body. And so that's something that I think is really special about Ballet Beautiful. Right. Now, Mary Helen, have you helped clients in pain? Of course. I think that regular exercise really helps prevent quite a lot of pain Mm -hmm. and helps with pain management. And the biggest thing that we see in our clients is pain in the lower back, which typically comes from having a weak core. So we usually focus on strengthening the core and helping to get to a point where that lower back pain is just eradicated. Great. And contrary to what many people might believe, exercise actually is helpful in reducing pain, especially low back pain. Now, Mary Helen, what do you advise your clients to do when they experience pain during workouts? I think it's important for people to be able to learn what type of pain they're feeling mm-hmm. because there's good pain, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the, ch- the pain of your body being challenged and getting stronger. Mm-hmm. And then there's pain where you're past your range of motion, you know, and you're risking injury. That's right. And that difference can be difficult to perceive. Now, Mary Helen, you've trained Victoria's Secret Supermodels, Natalie Portman and Liv Tyler. Is your workout program tailored more for certain elite professionals rather than the average person? No, not at all. Ballet Beautiful has thousands of members. 
members all over the world that use our workouts every day. Mm -hmm. But you see a lot of high-profile women that have gravitated to the workout because the results are so great. And speaking of high-profile women, you were Natalie Portman's personal trainer for her Academy Award-winning role in Black Swan. How did you transform her body into one that looked like a professional ballerina? Basically with the ballet, beautiful exercises and workout. And that role was obviously very intense. So Mm -hmm. her training program was incredibly challenging and tailored for that performance. And how far in advance did you begin your training program with her? We started over a year before the movie even went into production. Yeah, and we began, you know, simply with two hours a day. We would do 40 minutes of ballet, beautiful, and take another hour and 20 minutes to do her ballet class every single day. And we did that for about six months. And then as we got closer to the film going into production, that was when we increased the intensity. Well, how intense did it become? The professional dancer is training 10 or 12 hours a day. Our goal was to get her as close to that as possible. Mm-hmm. And she was working on other movies and other sets at the time. And so she didn't have 10 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine... <laughs> Most people wouldn't for, you know, a six-month period. Mm -hmm. So we did five hours a day, six days a week for the six months leading up to the film. Tremendous amount. I mean, you can imagine, get up at five in the morning, we would work out for two or three hours in the morning, and then she would go to spot, and we would do another two hours in the evening. And that was every single day. Wow, that's a lot of training. Uh, Did she experience any pain as part of the training and filming of Black Swan? Yeah, I mean, I think that's because the training was so intensive, it helped her understand ballet is just sacrifice all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, you have your whole life is is simply about your body and about your art. I mean, she didn't have any serious injuries um, that prevented her from performing, thank goodness. That was probably my biggest goal was, you know, one, make her look fantastic, Mm -hmm. as good as we possibly can, two, let's keep her injury free. Mary Helen, what were her injuries? She was dealing with blisters, bruised toenails, tweaked muscles, you know, and other things that happen when we got onto set and she started partnering for the first time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, you do a lift and a rib might go out, and that's incredibly painful. It's something that you can dance through. Now, you mentioned that a rib might go out. What does that mean? It gets pushed out. It's not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine. And right. it literally will feel like a little bump on your side. It's quite strange, actually. But imagine if someone were lifting you you know, with their thumbs, it, that sort of thing. Right. Now, Mary Helen, how did Natalie get through the pain of those performances? Well, we did, you know, continue with Ballet Beautiful through the whole process and, and also including a lot of, like, stretching, a lot of using the foam roller. Mm-hmm. Once we were on set, she had access also to, you know, to physical therapy and things like that. So she was using, you know, the occasional acupuncture and things like that. Mm -hmm. Now, with respect to your program, how many days per week do you recommend that clients train? And what kind of results can we expect? We really recommend three hours a week. You really need three hours to change your body and to see results and, and to be in optimal condition. And how quickly can we see the results? Most people will see a change after two or three weeks. Wow. If they're doing the workout two or three days a week. Now, Mary Helen, I know that you have two studios in Manhattan and a comprehensive website. What's the cost of your program? The subscription is thirty nine ninety nine a month. Mm-hmm. And if you want to sample one of the videos, we have videos beginning at nine ninety nine on the website. Okay. I personally am not taking private clients at this point, but we have great 
team of master trainers who are all professional dancers and personally trained by me here in Manhattan. Yeah, and we do a lot of training online as well. Terrific. And before we close, what's the best way we can enhance our health through diet and fitness? I think that fitness should be fun. It should be something that you look forward to, that you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it should be just part of your lifestyle. How you move your body is um, really how you live. That's a great thought. And Mary Helen, I want to thank you so much for being here today on Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me, Doctor. It was a pleasure. Dr. Peter Levine joins us once again. He's an orthopedic surgeon specializing in sports and performing arts medicine. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Dr. Peter Levine is an orthopedic surgeon in the D.C. metro area. He's been a consultant for Cirque du Soleil and for professional dance and ballet companies at the Kennedy Center, National, and Warner Theaters. Dr. Levine, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you. On our last show, we talked about the high prevalence of musculoskeletal pain and injuries in ballet dancers, especially in the foot and ankle, uh, that injuries differ between men and women, and that specific orthopedic surgeries are successful in getting dancers back to performing. Our other guest, Mary Helen Bowers, trained Natalie Portman for her Academy Award-winning role in Black Swan. How true to life was that movie? You know, the movie, of course, is an over-dramatization of what really goes on, but there are those issues. I mean, there are eating disorders. It's extremely competitive. Mm -hmm. The dance world is a world that has a few winners and a lot of losers, so it's a very competitive environment. The demands on the dancer are very high. But you don't see mental illness as predominating in a lot of dancers, which was one of the things that they showed in the Natalie Portman movie. Mm -hmm, right. uh, but you do see uh, a lot of eating disorders and a lot of nutritional problems and uh, a lot of stress and competitiveness between uh, the various dancers. So there were elements that were very realistic, and I thought it was a very disturbing but beautiful film. Uh, Peter, are we making any strides in the risk of eating disorders as well as the nutritional status in ballet dancers? I think we are. I think it's getting a lot more attention than it ever used to. Mm -hmm. People are paying attention when a dancer has anorexia or bulimia. A lot of teachers, if they're doing the right thing, will pull that dancer aside and maybe uh, make them uh, you know, either seek medical help or won't allow them to keep dancing until they do seek medical help. Well, that's great to hear. And how is your society, the International Association for Dance, Medicine, and Science, playing a role in this? One of the things that we do in IADAMS is we not don't just train medical people, but we uh, train and educate dance teachers and dance professionals so everybody is aware of the hazards of poor nutrition, of smoking, uh, which is one way a lot of the dancers try to stay thin is by smoking. Mm -hmm. You know, if a dancer is doing any of these things, the intervention at different levels is really uh, critical. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked to Mary Helen in the previous show about 
key steps that dancers could take to reduce the risk of injury, such as uh, even floors, warmer studios. What is iAdams doing to facilitate that process? Certain types of professional flooring is used much more commonly now than it was even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's going to help limit a lot of stress injuries and a lot of injuries that dancers have because the floor is critically important, especially if they're doing a lot of repetitive dancing in a stage or a certain environment. Right. So a lot of preventive measures are being undertaken and, uh, you know, the science of that needs to continue and the attention on that needs to continue. Absolutely. And I'm really pleased to hear that iAdams is part of that progress. In your experience, how much pain is involved in ballet dancing? There are injuries and there are episodes that uh, create a lot of pain and discomfort. But if you're doing your dancing technique properly, Uh, you shouldn't be causing a lot of pain. Now, that doesn't mean that your feet don't take a tremendous blow from being uh, danced on repetitively in both modern and in ballet. Mm -hmm. And what are they doing to get through the pain? I mean, are they using specific medications? Are they getting injections into the muscles, for example? Rest, anti-inflammatories are uh, very common. Um, They utilize massage, Pilates is very commonly used Mm -hmm. uh, to help stretch out muscle groups, physical therapy, There are some injections, acupuncture, for example, and dry needling has become very popular. Okay. Um, But, you know, usually they'll try the non-invasive modalities uh, first. Now, how about the use of opioids? There isn't uh, the widespread use of pain medications, and, you know, that would really be somewhat frowned upon. Not that they aren't needed in some circumstances, but certainly long-term use of pain medications would be suggestive that there's something else going on that needs to be medically treated. Mm -hmm. Now, how about some of these emerging therapies like stem cell therapy or platelet-rich plasma or even prolotherapy? They're not first-line modalities, of course, but for example, if somebody has uh, Achilles tendonitis or something of that nature that's not getting better with traditional stretching, therapy, ultrasound, electric stem, you know, then some of these other modalities, PRP and the such. That whole area, uh, in my opinion, uh, there are some patients who have had tremendous benefits from it, but the science is, is out on that whole area still. Mm -hmm. Um, It varies from physician to physician. And so I think those modalities are going to be very helpful in the future, but probably more scientific research needs to be done to parse out, you know, the proper techniques for using those modalities. Certainly, you wouldn't use them very commonly in a young child or a teenage dancer. Exactly. Are retired dancers experiencing chronic pain and disability? We'll find out after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Peter Levine. He's an orthopedic surgeon specializing in sports and performing arts medicine. Dr. Levine, according to a recent study, it seems that activities associated with ballet may have a long-term impact on the dancer's musculoskeletal health and whether dancers develop chronic musculoskeletal pain. What have you found? 
The question is, is it any increase compared to the general community? And I don't think we have an answer to that. Mm -hmm. But we definitely see uh, some ballet dancers. Uh, Judith Jameson is well known for at Alvin Ailey, and she had bilateral hip replacements. It was in the New York Times. We see a lot of dancers who have uh, knee arthritis or uh, hip arthritis, just like it would be in somebody who's not a dancer is a very painful entity and mm-hmm. sometimes needs uh, surgical correction. Right. You know, in fact, I read a recent survey that mentioned that retired ballet dancers were three times more likely to experience chronic hip pain and four times more likely to report chronic knee pain compared to people who were not professional ballet dancers. The positions that they're putting their leg in when somebody looks so beautiful in that arabesque on their toe, Mm -hmm. that's putting a tremendous amount of stress across the foot, across the ankle, across the knee, and across the hip. If you consider that they're doing that, you know, hours and hours and hours every week since Mm -hmm. they were, you know, in petite ballet at age four or six, that's going to have its toll eventually. And it wouldn't surprise me that they would have a higher incidence of uh, hip arthritis uh, down the road. What concerns me is that I wonder whether parents, ballet dancers themselves, or trainers realize that there is a real risk of developing chronic pain, and that chronic pain leads to negative effects on physical and mental well-being, which greatly impact quality of life. I think you're right, and I think it's a big long-term concern, Mm -hmm. but these are the elite of the elite. To get there, they have to have a certain passion that drove them into that position. Right. And it does not seem to be influenced by thinking in the future that I'm going to have arthritis of my knee if I keep doing this. Uh, mm-hmm. They usually don't stop until they have that arthritis because they're so driven. I mean, Peter, do you feel like I'm exaggerating the risks? I don't think you're exaggerating it. I challenge you to go try to tell someone to stop. <laughs> it, I don't want to say it's an obsessive personality, but it's usually an obsessive personality. Right. They understand that they are at risk for getting injuries. They train extremely hard for decades. But, you know, how often do you see a dancer over 40 dancing with a company, Mm -hmm. especially in ballet? You know, it just doesn't exist. Right. You get the glory years for a few decades, but it's a short career. Now, Dr. Levine, if I pushed you even farther... Do you feel that if the parents of young ballet dancers knew, for example, that the risk that their child might live in chronic pain were 30 to 50 percent, whether that might change their view? I don't think they would. And I don't think that people are unaware of the idea that an NFL football player is going to develop arthritis of some part of their body related to playing football. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like to tell them this this is a great career. It costs $50,000 a year to get a job that's going to pay you $30,000 a year. (laughs) You don't want to reconsider that. But no, all joking aside, though, if you look at Misty Copeland, she's enormously talented and, you know, hugely popular and has made a very good income. But most dancers do not make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Professional ballet dancer compared to a professional NFL player is, you know, not even the same ballpark. Exactly. And before we close, what's the most important thing to consider in terms of preventing pain and injury in ballet? Well, It's a couple of things. I mean, you want to maintain a healthy diet and pay attention to nutrition. You want a healthy lifestyle, which means don't add things like cigarettes in order to keep your weight down. Mm -hmm. You want to work on your technique and make sure that your technique is perfect. 
and you want to use common sense. So if something is giving you pain, uh, you should get it checked out and investigated to make sure it's not something that can be easily taken care of before it becomes a bigger problem. Yes, those are great recommendations. And I want to emphasize the last point. If you have pain that doesn't go away, make sure that you get it checked out before it becomes chronic. Dr. Levine, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.